So how does a punk rock skunk end up the hero of the forest? How do you illustrate filling out a census form and make it fun? Did you know that the inventor of the one-handed ice cream scoop was African-American born right after the Civil War? Well, if you read more children's books, of course, you would know the answer to these questions and a whole lot more. I'm Bobby Brill. Welcome to this episode of Creative Mind. Earlier this year, the organization Room to Read released their Peace and Equality book collection. The collection brought together diverse writers and illustrators from the United States to create 10 books in just four weeks. The books, aimed at children ages 3 to 8, explore themes related to creating a more peaceful and just world, with the goal of recognizing the work we must continue to do as a society to create social, political, economic, and cultural systems grounded in peace and equality. An open call was put out for authors and illustrators, and four Academy of Art University grads were tapped to illustrate these books. Additionally, Julie Downing, who teaches children's book illustration at the Academy, served in an advisory role for the illustration process. Here, she explains just exactly what these illustrators and writers were in for with the Room to Read book sprint. It was modeled on a book sprint that they do in South Africa, where they have a 24-hour book sprint, and they write and illustrate and produce a book in 24 hours. It's really an amazing, astonishing process. So this one was created in a little bit longer time. So finished story, finished art, art directed and published in four weeks, which again, you know, the shortest time in publishing is six months to a year to get a book out. So this was just a monumental task. And again, one of those things that the four of us on the P&E team, peace and equality team, we're all like, this is not possible. This just won't happen. And it all did. I mean, and it was amazing. It's a much more collaborative process with these room to read projects. Traditional publishing, you check in, you're sort of left alone for quite a while while you sort things out and then you get feedback. And the author and illustrator never talk. But in this project, obviously, the author and illustrator, art director and editor are a team and they are working as a team to produce this book simultaneously. And so I think the process of of producing the book was really different. So where do you begin when you have just four weeks to create a finished book? This is that age-old chicken and egg question. Do you come up with the story first, or is it the pictures? If you're an illustrator, do you just pull a bunch of stock characters and just copy and paste them onto the page and call it a day? More importantly, how do you tackle the subject of diversity in less than a month's time? Let's take the book Stand Up and Be Counted, a book about a young African-American girl named Nia who learns a lesson from her Aunt Geneva about the importance of the U.S. Census. For author Dr. Artika Tyner, diversity is at the core of the manuscript, both in the subject matter and how the characters are portrayed. Here is Dr. Tyner. Well, I spent most of my professional career as a diversity, equity, and inclusion researcher and professional. So that really meant begging those questions. What is the future cultural landscape of America? I think that's a critical question. Now, we see it play out in the media. For some folks, it leads to fear. For some folks, it really stirs up our faith of the hope for the future. So I think just in general that the circumstances of a changing multicultural landscape, when I started my work 20 years ago, I was saying with census data, well, we may see that there's no longer a cultural majority in America by year 2060. 
And then I started saying 2050. Right now, where we sit in 2019, the vast majority of children that were born are children of color. So if we look at that, what does that mean for the future of America? What does it mean about the cultural experiences, the languages we learn? As I think about when I was growing up, I, I couldn't find a book that, that looked like me. I mean, maybe a character emerged in Sweet Valley High and the Babysitter's Club towards the end of the series. But by default now, you can find books with a Native American young woman on the cover or maybe a Hispanic boy. So th things have changed drastically that now we're really creating those mirrors and win windows, those mirrors where young people can see an accurate reflection of themselves as the main character or the protagonist and the windows for all children to see the possibilities, embrace global citizenship and see the world more clearly. When I first started talking about diversity in books, people, you know, they were saying, well, why is that important? Um, we're not sure if we can reach that demographic. They had every excuse in the book, but the data was clear to us that you were more likely to see a book on the cover with a black bear or a black dog than a, than a black boy or a black girl. You cannot be a competent educator or a professional in any way in the 21st century without understanding cultures, without embracing cultural differences, and creating spaces where all people can come together and learn and grow tasked with illustrating the book was Academy of Art grad Chris Duran, who was excited to have one of her first big projects be a children's book. After all, this was what she studied in the School of Illustration at the Academy. My name is Kristen Duran. I am from Venezuela, from Maracaibo, Venezuela. Children's book, it was, I think, drawing for them and making stories for them is the most rewarding thing for me. Because, of course, I was one, you were one, a kid, and stories came right in your day, always. I mean, there is, it's always that uh, you can find something and you fell in love with that. Or can, it could be devastating, too. And I do like about children's book that uh, it can be so broad. Within the, the children's book industry, you could have a huge audience and a variety of formats that you can work with and techniques as well. I mean, there's room for, for almost anything, I think. Chris was certainly excited to be on board, but as Julie Downing points out, Chris was also in good hands. With Room to Read, diversity was such a big issue, and, and how you honor diversity, you don't stereotype, and that was one thing I thought Chris in particular did just really such a good job, and she said it's because she had um, the expertise of the author. Again, Dr. Tyner. Well, by training, I'm a civil rights attorney. So the story behind it was a challenge that, that many communities face. Fear of not understanding the census, not understanding how it means that tens of thousands of dollars will not be allocated in their community if it's not an appropriate count. Fear of, you know, bringing someone either in your home or sharing your personal information by filling out the census. Um, the unknown about what the census means, how it impacts our day-to-day -day life, from our schools to our fire departments. I mean, everything is impacted as far as what's happening at the level of government and municipality affairs through the census. But you walk down the street, the average person, you're knocking on the door because I helped to do some of the raising awareness and grassroots organizing, and no one even knew what I was talking about. So I decided to use the book as a tool to educate and mobilize. I remember when I heard, when I read the first book, or we were looking at the list of books, and I was like, there's a book about the census? Are you kidding me? Like, really? And you know what? It was a great book. I mean, I was like, prove me wrong. Book about the census is really interesting. Um, but we felt like we needed someone with Chris's skills to um, 
make it interesting, to visually make it interesting. And I think we wanted something specific and we brought up something about, well, maybe we should say that the census, you want money for the community to fill potholes. And we made that suggestion and the author was like, you know, that is such kind of a white person thing to say about a, um, a mostly black community. Like, why do you think there's potholes in their streets? And, um, you know, maybe we need it for more science equipment in the school or because she said, you know, if this was a mostly white community, would potholes come to mind? You have to first start through the eyes of a child. So young Nia, it's not just that her Aunt Geneva says, let's fill out the census. Young Nia is watching something we oftentimes forget. The greatest lesson that young people get from us is watching what we do versus what we say, right? So she's watching Aunt Geneva serving and leading in the community. So we made sure that the book was through the child's eye. She's intrigued. She wants to know what her aunt's doing. And her aunt starts to talk about the census. And still, that's abstract for a young girl. But the reality of it is she sees her aunt in action. As they go to meet each one of their neighbors and check in to see if they filled out the census, they're getting a sense of why it matters, that we need a closer hospital, that we need new science labs in our schools. Uh, we even see Chief Betty come along. It's like, we get better fire trucks now. We get more access to the things that we need. So I wanted us to do this through the eyes of a child. And you may be wondering why, especially because 10 years out from now, these will be the same young people that will get that notification in the mail, fill out your census, and now they at least have a sense of what it is, what's it about, and what's at stake. But could a book about the census, essentially a book about filling out a bunch of forms, be all that compelling? And yet it was. And what you realize is the census is not about filling out paperwork. It's about, a com it's about community and making sure that your community gets counted. And that was what both of them did so incredibly well. And I mean, I have to say, Chris was quite, um, <laughs> she was a testament to the Academy of Art. Um, again, it's just, I do think the Academy of Art students really shone in this project because just their, their professionalism really came out in their ability to, you know, be prepared and get stuff done on a deadline and produce really high quality work. Again, there was only four weeks to complete the project, both manuscript and illustrations. So not a whole lot of time when an illustrated children's book normally takes six months or even more. Yet Chris really went deep into the subject matter to create a book that depicted its characters correctly and truthfully. When I got to, uh, I got my in manuscript, I started researching about Mississippi and about uh, African-American hairstyles and different features because one of the things that Artica mentioned like and put a lot of emphasis was like, please don't do every character like copy paste and they have the same hairstyle, they have the same features, please research and, and show a range of skin color. She was always really picky and I'm really glad she did that. She was like, no, the skin color is too close or their skin color look like muddy and she really she was really pleased uh, with the final result but it was because of her help actually it was because of her help we did talk again to the author and she brought that up and she said don't you realize there's a huge diversity in skin tones and so it's true to the to the story and to the community that there be a big diversity of skin tones and we were like ah oh you're right i mean it to me it showed why these types of books are so important. 
like why it's important to have a diverse group of writers and illustrators and diverse stories about different communities. Cultural diversity and intricacies around who we are so we can all see each other more clearly. My hairstyle matters to me and my culture. It's a little bit of a mix of a pixie cut. It, it matters. Some days you might see it a little more like an afro. All those pieces matter. You know, my I had someone tell me, well, you all, you people, I was like, this is going to go bad. You people love bright colors. Of course. If I wasn't at a traditional site, I'd be wearing kente cloth and everything else. Like, that's our culture. So I, I really think between authors and illustrators and artists as a whole, we need more cross-cultural exchanges as well. And I love Chris. I wanted the story to be positive. I wanted the story to show a strong community because oftentimes we're ill portrayed in the media. We're portrayed in only negative ways. If it's something related to now the science and the research showing the characterization automatically as it relates to bias for African-Americans is, is violence. So we have the wrong characterization of our community. So I wanted to tell my story. I mean, Anne Geneva is the likeness of my own great aunt who passed away a couple years ago, who lived well into her 90s, who was involved civically, who was involved with voting in every aspect of really living out and materializing the American dream. She came from sharecropping humble beginnings with a quarter and came up north and brought our whole family from Alabama to the north. So I thought about what would Anne Geneva teach us about the census? So I had an idea in my mind of what the conversation would look like based upon all the great conversations that I had with my aunt. So I thought about that. I was very intentional to make sure we're sharing an accurate photo of who we are, an accurate illustration, an accurate book, because I just think the media mischaracterizes our community as not engaged, um, intentionally undercounted, disenfranchised. It's always negative. So the story was about empowerment, about being engaged, about being uplifted, and about harmony. As the project progressed, and only in a project like this with such deep collaboration, would the illustrator have the time to even think about contributing to the narrative. But Chris was empowered to speak up and push forward some new thematic elements that she saw in working on the book. One of the secondary characters was Betty. It was Aunt Betty at the beginning. But then he became Chief Betty. And I told her, why don't we make it, why don't we make her like a person that has like a position of power or something like that? And, and so I, I said, uh, like a paramedic, because she was talking about the rose on the manuscript on the first one. And then I say police, but it's pretty controversial. Like, and, and then uh, fire chief. And they were really happy with that. They were like, yes, fire chief, that will be amazing. So Chris brought that up, that she wanted to see the wholeness of the different types of skin tones and to see dark-skinned people in leadership roles. Didn't dawn on me at all. But after that, I was like, let's do a case study. That's the type of keen eye that an artist could have to see things that I didn't see. So when I, I love that Chris went that extra mile, did her due diligence and said, I'm going to make the dark girl the leader. The title within itself, stand up and be counted. Now, like no other time, is an opportunity for folks to, to stand up. I'm not talking about lines of partisanship. I'm talking about the ability to help establish a stronger sense of community. Block by block, household by household, how can we be involved in local civic engagement? How can we be involved, of course, and involve that to the national level? I want people to get involved. I want to see us sharing your ideas. So I hope that the book is a spark 
for what oftentimes is missing in the curriculum at school and the curriculum of life, inspiring us all to get involved civically. Diversity is a word that often gets thrown around and can really be hard to qualify. But projects like this, with so many voices and experiences coming together to collaborate, the idea of diversity becomes much more clear, as Julie Downing explains. I learned so much about what diversity actually means. Like, what are we talking about when we talk about diversity? And it's not enough to say, oh, I'm going to stick like a black person into this scene, you know, make sure I'm racially diverse. I think there was so much more subtlety that was involved in making it feel real and true. In 1897, Alfred L. Crawley invented the one-handed ice cream scooper. Sarah Boone invented the modern ironing board in 1892, and Alice Parker invented the central natural gas heating system in 1999, essentially what all of us call central heating. All three of these were invented by African Americans and are just some of the inventions covered in the book, The Scoop on Inventors, written by Montrese and illustrated by Academy of Art grad, Samantha Joe. A book aimed at giving us a better understanding of our American history and one steeped in diversity. My name is Montrese, and I'm one of 10 authors that was chosen for the Peace and Equality book collection by Room to Read. The book that I wrote is called The Scoop on Inventors. All of the groups were extremely diverse. So there's me, I'm African-American, and I'm the author. Samantha Joe is Asian. Our editor, Catherine Karp, she's Caucasian. She's from Washington. And then we had uh, Simadar, who's our art director, and she's originally from Israel. So we had the different cultures and the different ages, and we all came together to write this book. It was the most beautiful experience I have ever been a part of, hands down. I'm Samantha Joe. I was born in Peru, and my parents are Chinese immigrants, so that would make me a third-generation Chinese. So when I heard about the project Room to Read, I thought it would be like a nice opportunity for me to apply my skills and give back, uh, create a book from scratch, and be able to share it with the next generations. So on the scoop of inventors, it's about this kid, Dre. He goes to school and he's disappointed that in classes they're not addressing anything about African-American inventors and he feels left out. So for me, it just felt like I identify with the character. As uh, me growing up in Peru and going to school, sometimes school is not able to address your own culture. And this is an issue facing all of education and a core principle in Room to Read projects, creating books and enabling authors and illustrators to create work that is in their own voice. So with a children's book, we are wanting children to fall in love with reading. So I didn't want to create a story just about inventors. It's actually a story in a story. So the story is about a uh, father and son, like a beautiful relationship that they have. And the son comes home and he's a little down in the dumps and he's talking to his dad. And he's like, well, we talked about inventors today in school but none of them are African-American inventors. It's almost like we didn't invent anything, like we didn't do anything. And so dad's like, I can understand why that would make you sad. Come in and help me prepare for your mom's birthday party. 
So as they're preparing for mom's birthday party, he start, dad starts to point out all the different things that they are using that was created by African-Americans. So it shifts the story a little bit. The story isn't about inventor so much as it is about that relationship. And you see the tenderness between father and son. Another thing that's really missing from um, kids literacy, we hardly ever find African-American little boys on the cover or that particular dynamic of the father and son. So they're making a cake for mom, you know, and they have their, you know, their moments and dad starts pointing out different things. And I didn't want to go with the typical inventors that you usually hear about. I wanted to really delve into um, like the Alice Parkers. Alice Parker is an African-American inventor who invented the central heating system. So now that it's cold across the country, when you turn on your furnace, that central heating system was patented by her in 1919. And that's not something that we know. They're like, oh my gosh, I didn't learn about this in school. But I think now and making a difference, it's almost like it's kind of a supplement. So that was one of the things we wanted to point out with the theme being peace and equality um, and how how that is a disparity in our educational systems right now. But it is starting to make a slow change. But right now, it's just kind of like, you know, word, word of mouth and independent study is how we learn these things. On a book sprint of just four weeks, it takes a special kind of author and, of course, a special kind of illustrator to pull this off. So this is the best part of writing children's books, where the author and the illustrator is kind of like a literary marriage. Like one doesn't really work well without the other. And Sam, Sam and I worked really well together. She created uh, three sets of father, son, father, son, father, son. And we, we talked about them and I just gave her some pointers just about African-Americans in general. For example, rarely will you find an African-American family that's all the same color brown, but you'll get that in a book like really easily. And so we talked extensively just about hair and typical facial features and facial hair and different things like that. Mom was really wonderful and open to everybody's ideas and feedback. And I was able to hear her thoughts and her thinking around the book and what feelings she wanted to convey. So that made my work easier instead of doing the guesswork. As an illustrator, it can be sometimes uh, just one person thing and just having the opportunity to just having a collaboration. Uh, it's been amazing. For Jocelyn Argetta and illustrator Paley Huang, this project was their first chance at being published, and creating under such a tight deadline was an appeal to both of them. And their book, The Golden Acorn Tree, took to using the more familiar formula of cute woodland creatures to take on two monster topics, diversity and deforestation. Here's Jocelyn Argetta. So I have a background in science. I went to school for biochem, and I did a lot of research, bench research, but I always enjoyed teaching the most. I've always wanted to write a book. <laughs> I've always wanted to. I love picture books. They are like one of my favorite things. And I think they're one of the coolest ways to um, get, get kids to like exercise their imagination because there's so much room for them to explore with picture books. So I've always wanted to do it. 
When I saw the call from Room to Read, they were looking for first-time authors, and um, their collection is centered around the words peace and equality. So they were looking for manuscripts that really represented those two words and your own interpretation of them. Ultimately, what those words meant to me and what I wanted to write about was how we all work together in different communities and really highlight the different personalities that exist in groups, the different roles and the value that everyone brings to a community and how that can work to create a peaceful group. For illustrator Paley Huang, the Animal Friends of the Forest offered an unknown challenge. I'm Paley, illustrator, and I'm from China. I grew up in South China, Fujian province, and then I go to Beijing to study electrical engineer as my undergraduate major. I think illustration for me is it gave me a lot of freedom to express myself, my own style. And on the other hand, it just can be used in some practical way. So I just feel that it has a balance between art and like commercial, something like that, and which can help me to put my, my art into a real practice. I think that's the most fascinating, fascinating part. Although I love animals, I love draw animals a lot, um, but I find the animals in, in the US is different from that in China. I just uh, Googled a lot of images and uh, researched a lot of, of background about them. I saw raccoons in a zoom, but I have never seen a skunk, <laughs> even now. Do, do you think skunk? I had written the skunk to be a little bit more withdrawn and quiet. And when I first got the sketch from Paley, the skunk was a punk skunk. And I had never imagined the skunk that way. Um, and it was just such a it was such a breakthrough, I think, for everybody in the group to see the punk skunk and to just see where that kind of influenced the rest of the text and how he's described or how we created this little home he has. I loved that moment because Paley knew the kind of character I had written and to see her take that and put her own interpretation and her own spin on it. And um, for us to be able to instantly be like, yes, I love that. Like, can we get more punkness out of him? Can we like, how can we highlight this even more was was really great. I loved that moment. I kind of just had a, the thought of a squirrel and it's kind of just built from there. I'd never um, really written about animals, but I I really liked it. I liked the visuals it created and I think that it the forest community just really took off from there and and helped me to tell those those themes but in a very um cute <laughs> and um accessible way. Creatively, taking on such staunch topics can be difficult, but as a prompt, peace and equality can be just the thing that artists and writers need to truly create something memorable. I create, most of the time, I create for myself, precisely for my portfolio. But when you are creating a children's book, you are creating for kids. So you have really think from their point of view. Like uh, if it is too complicated for them to understand. So you really have to think from kids' perspective. And also, sometimes kids learn animals through your book. So you have to convey the right message. 
the fact that you are given a seat and you're given an opportunity, whatever the opportunity is, even if it's an opportunity you created for yourself, um, you know, the opportunity is there and the opportunity is there for you to be authentically yourself to to speak from your experience to what's true to you and that's what's going to bring in diversity of the group is because regardless of how much you think your past has or hasn't um, influenced your experience it has and it's going to show through I think naturally when you give it that chance to to just be to breathe to just be yourself and and speak to the things that you're passionate about and to your own strengths Finally, as Julie Downing points out, no matter what the medium, it comes down to story, a story that truly resonates with the reader. You know, I have had a long career and I've been doing this for a long time. And I think in the U.S. it's so easy to get caught up in how many sales have I had? Like, what's my next book? How big an advance did I get? Did I get a good review on that book? You forget the point of the of what we all do. And and I think it's true of the books we did in the U.S., and I think Room to Read will expand their programs in the U.S. because there are a lot of places where kids don't have access to books. But I do remember the first time I came back from Jordan, and you, you see these children who have never had a book before, and they're reading this story, and they recognize themselves in these books and you just realize i mean it gives me chills i think this is this is the power of storytelling and how it 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 literally can change someone's life and you don't think it i mean you don't think that way it's i mean it, for heaven's sakes it's a picture book but when you see a kid who lives in a refugee camp who has never had a book before and you see them take it and read it for the first time you realize that is a life-changing thing So if you are interested in learning more about the Peace and Equality books or to check out the books for yourself, please head over to roomtoread.org. They are a tremendously wonderful organization that is really focused on bringing education to all children, special programs for girls, and really the best thing they do is helping other illustrators and writers create work in their own voice. And if you've ever dreamed about a career in art and design, well, then the Academy of Art University is right for you. As more and more art and design career opportunities are on the rise, employers are on the hunt for the next generation of talented and skilled creative professionals. You can study on-site in downtown San Francisco and, of course, anywhere in the world with our online programs. To request more information about our 40-plus areas of study in art and design, including illustration, fine art, photography, and more, visit our website at academyart.edu slash creativemind. And please check out the show notes for all of the links to all of our writers and illustrators we mentioned today and a whole lot more. And of course, please hit subscribe on whatever device you're listening to so you never miss an episode of Creative Mind. I'm Bobby Brill. Thanks for listening. <laughs>